can say amen, amen to those songs. Greet you in Jesus' name. It is indeed a blessing to be in the house of the Lord on Christmas Day. Well, it's the day that we uh, remember Jesus' birth. We commemorate it and uh, celebrate it. And um, it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Now, you children uh, don't know this. Been a long time. I don't know has Maple Lawn ever had services. Well, we just talked about that this morning. Um, don't remember that Maple Lawn had services on Christmas morning or made it a tradition to have services on Christmas morning. Uh, but where I grew up, uh, we had services on Christmas morning, uh, even during the week. And uh, I don't know if that's still practiced or not. I know in the latter uh, years they made some changes there, but... Um, I just uh, uh, find that interesting, and uh, uh, we didn't have services on Thanksgiving morning, but when we moved here, uh, Maple Lawn had services on Thanksgiving morning. That has changed as well. So life uh, uh, tends to change things, and and, uh, I'm not saying it's either right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a blessing to uh, be here today. I appreciated uh, the service thus far, and Caleb, I had sort of in mind to maybe do the same thing, but uh, I'm going to just leave that, and uh, maybe we can read some scriptures together. Um, I'm just blessed by uh, that spontaneous response, and uh, um, it shows to me that God is alive and well and working in our hearts, and and um, some of us uh, have a word a bit more ready on our tongue than others, but that's okay. Uh, I think we need to cultivate that. <clears throat> I've entitled the message this morning, Unto Us is Born a Savior. And uh, that is such a blessing as I think about the fact that Jesus uh, was born as a baby, as human flesh uh, upon this earth. A subtitle of that would be maybe Happy Birthday. Uh, Let me just say a few words before we get into the scriptures. I'm I'm aware that that, um, there are some people that um, refrain from celebrating Christmas in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm not here to say that they went off the deep end. Um, I'm also aware that um, Jesus a good is a good possibility that Jesus, born to Mary, was not this day, December 25th, as we recognize it. Um, I don't know. Somehow I think it's not terribly far off, but but uh, I don't really understand the Jewish calendar and the, and the history and so forth of it as well. 
Um, probably my deep feeling is that no one really knows the date of his birth, and I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason for some of those events in history that really don't have a specific date. Somehow it was lost. Um, I'm afraid that Christians would get tangled up in the day. Uh, many people have. Many of God's children have got carried away with certain days. And, and maybe, maybe the fact that we don't know the certain day that Jesus was born is so that we worship the Savior rather than the day. You see, we can get tangled up in that way. And I think there's, there's things like that um, that, that uh, have been lost, and I think there's a reason for that. I believe God has had His hand in that. There's a sense, I, I would like to just take our minds, take our minds back to um, that time when Jesus was born. Um, I had to reflect, I had to just stop and reflect a bit on the birth of our children. Um, none, now, birthing was not an easy thing for Rebecca. Um, however, some were a little harder than others. But <clears throat> I remember those nights in the hospital and... Uh, uh, poor father was trying to do my part in that as well, uh, but some there was I know a time or two that I was uh, overcome by sleep and and uh, yeah I I would love to have stayed awake and and to um, you know go through all this drama but but what I'm saying is that. That when the child was finally born, that uh, uh, it was it was just such a joy. No matter no matter how tired and exhausted uh, I was as a father or Rebecca as a mother, but it was a joy. And uh, I thought about Joseph and Mary. And uh, now, those of you that have had children, have born children, how would you like? I'm going to just be frank. How would you like to go to the barn? Go to the barn where the calves and the sheep and the donkeys and the horses and the cows all are. How would you like to go to the barn? Uh, maybe, maybe there's some damp, musty straw there for you. Or maybe... Maybe you could scrape out some of the of the hay or grass that was fed to the animals that night earlier before you got there. Maybe you could scrape some of that out of the manger or the feed trough and and lay that on the ground. Or well, where where are we actually going to have this baby? How how is this all going to happen? I <laughs> I pondered and I thought about just the dynamics and the reality of having a baby in a stable. Um, now, some, some would think that it was a stable out of 
built out of wood, but I think probably more realistically it was a stable that was hewn out of a rock, and so one side of it was open. It was kind of like a lean-to shed. Um, be that as it may, it's really irrelevant. But I, I just, you know, we we uh, are so... Um, Our society is such, I mean, we just wouldn't think about having a child in the barn. Uh, uh, some, some women wouldn't even consider having a child in their own house. They would, oh, we just, we have to go to the doctor. And, and um, I, listen, listen, I, it's okay. It's okay. If, if uh, mother doesn't feel comfortable at home and needs to go to the hospital, that's, that's quite all right. Um, but if a mother is satisfied with having her children at home, I say go for it. It's uh, it's, it's your time. It's your having. It's it's you having the baby. But <clears throat> I'd like to just sit down with Mary and Joseph and now how was this? How how did, how did all this take place? Um, we read some of it. We read some of uh, what what took place, but. Um, I think there was a joy in Joseph and Mary's heart. Um, I we want to read it. We want to read some scriptures that would verify that that Joseph and Mary knew what was happening. This this was not some unconscious um, um, unfolding, but Joseph and Mary precisely knew what was taking place. They understood that. It was very clear. However, there was probably a lot of questions in their minds. And um, I'm sure that there was not only questions, but maybe some anxiety. However, as I've pondered over the life of Mary and Joseph, and like I said earlier, did, did some reading and, and read different articles and have people's different opinions and, and the thoughts that come, it's, it's, it's amazing, interesting. And uh, we generate our own thoughts about this and so forth. Um, I believe that God somehow uh, kept Mary and Joseph from the fears uh, I know people talk about Mary and Joseph's fears and, and, and all that they had to experience as well. And, and I'm sure that Mary and Joseph experienced a lot of things. But as, as the future was left unknown to Mary and Joseph, I mean, let me start, sorry. As the future is left unknown to us, I believe so is the, was the future left unknown to Mary and Joseph. And thereby, I believe God shielded them or kept them from a lot of fears. I don't believe that Mary and Joseph were huddled in the stable and just afraid that somehow something is going to happen with this child. Something, somebody's going to come take it. Something we just have to, they were just all tied up in knots about this child. I don't think so. I think there was a joy there was a peace that Mary and Joseph experienced because that they were able to do what God had asked them to do. And they were just simply living out their faith. I, I like that, those, that example in, that we studied about in, in uh, Sunday school. 
They were just simply living out their faith. And they were going from faith to faith. I think their one experience was built upon another. When the angel first came to them, they had an humble response. They said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. And Joseph, um, I forget his response, but, but, but his, his, his response was in, in action was that he, he rose from that and he, and, he, and he took Mary to be his wife. And uh, um, <clears throat> were there consequences of this, of, of this, of their obedience? Uh, exactly, there, there were. I'm not denying that there were consequences for their following God, and 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 some of the things that they had to encounter. Not long after, not long after Jesus was born, they were on the way to Egypt. They were headed out of Bethlehem as fast as they could go, up before daylight. When the angel told Joseph, you need to get up and you need to go to Egypt. You need to take this child with you. Joseph and Mary were up. They were at it. They were out of there. So there, there were experiences. There were experiences that, um, that would have caused fear in their lives. But I think God was with them through all their journeys. And, uh, you know, same it is with us as parents. Uh, had we known, had we, would we know, I should, had we known, would we know the future of our lives, of our children's lives, and all the things that, that they will encounter, and, and thereby the experiences that we will encounter? You know, it would, it would, it would be um, realistic, I guess, to sit down in fear and cringe and pull the covers over our heads and just, we're, not, we're just not going to get up. But, but we don't know that. And so we, we go on day by day, faith in God that He will lead us and give us direction. And yeah, there's times when, when things happen that are fearful, things happen that are unpleasant. Um, but, but God has been faithful in the past and He will continue to do so. We'll just focus upon this fact that unto us is born a Savior. The angel told uh, the shepherds that. For unto you is born a Savior. Unto us. You see, and that's interesting because the angels could not say unto us is born a Savior. Angels don't need saviors. That's the thing that, that the Hebrew writer talks about that the angels desire to look into. They, they, they want, they're amazed. The angels are amazed at the fact of a fallen man. And Jesus, he is able to trust in Jesus as his Savior. The angels don't experience that. You and I have experienced a fallen nature. And we have experienced the life in Jesus Christ. We have experienced a, a new life in Him. We have experienced what it, what it is to take on the Savior and, and make Him Lord of our lives. And so what a blessing that is. We, as I said before, we have the greatest thing to rejoice in this morning. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I thought about, I've thought about those people that are less fortunate. And of course, I ended up thinking about all those that do not know the Savior. And really, beloved, that's the saddest part of the whole Christmas season is the people that celebrate Christmas in some form or another, and yet they have the slightest idea as to really what it means to have a Savior. 
That's really the saddest thing. But, beloved, we have so much to be thankful for. We have our families, and yes, my heart goes out to Irene. Uh, This Christmas will be a Christmas that Irene will never forget as long as she lives. She'll remember that this is the time when Norm passed away. And so there are experiences like that in life that, that though that we like for this to be a joyous occasion, there are those experiences that bring tears to our eyes. And yet, as I've said before, I believe in Irene's heart there is joy. I believe there is a peace knowing that all is well. I just trust that. I've thought about those homeless people at the mission And uh, not only there, but in many places across the world, families that have been torn to pieces and have experienced um, um, life's difficulties and breakdowns in relationships and, and all of those kinds of things, how sad, sad, sad this time of year is for them. When the world in general... Um, uh, makes this hype about all the Christmas celebrations and all the commercialization about about uh, Jesus being born and so forth and 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 all of this uh, holly jolly and all of that kind of thing. Uh, while the world you know puts that up here on the shelf, uh, many 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 a person is left behind and uh, uh, just cannot find within themselves and so. And so, um, uh, when all the when all the dust is settled after Christmas and so forth, you know, many a person sits down and thinks, "What really am I living for?" You know, all the things that I looked forward to, all the things that I anticipated to happen, didn't happen, and many a person is left sad. Um. Rebecca had on her phone, on her text thing, if you've received texts from her, she had, uh, what would I do without Jesus in the last while? And uh, that spoke to me. I thought about that myself. Um, sometimes we get wrapped up in life and, and uh, things just go on. But I think it's well for us to remember, what would we do without Jesus? <clears throat> I trust that Jesus is the source of your power and your strength, even in times as Irene experienced in the past few days. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. There's three different scriptures that I would like to read. This morning, and I would like for all of us to read it in unison, just a few verses. This will not be laborsome, but in Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven, and I want to just, uh, yeah, just bring these scriptures to us again to remind us um, of the old story and uh, Jesus uh, or God uh, giving to the prophets the the promise of the Messiah. 
And uh, we could even go back to Genesis when he got, God promised to Adam and Eve uh, this Savior. But, but I would like to look at Isaiah and then specifically with the angel's proclamation to uh, Mary and Joseph, or Joseph and Mary, and, um, and then read the story. Um, uh, thought of the song, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. And I don't know, can we wear out the story? <laughs> Such a blessing as I think about Jesus coming. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Okay, are we ready? Let's read it together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Very familiar scripture there, but that's um, uh, similar to what the angel proclaimed to the shepherds on the hillside. For unto us is a child is born, unto us a son is given. <clears throat> now let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 is where the angel uh, tells Joseph about Jesus coming. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 20 and 21. Now, uh, uh, Joseph was aware that Jesus was carrying a child. They were not married yet as of yet officially. And um, Joseph was concerned about that. Let's notice in verse 20. Let's read it together in unison. Verse 20 and 21. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now let's go to Luke, chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. <clears throat> You're doing quite well. Let's read this in unison as well. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's all we'll read. These scriptures just verify to us. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, prophesied about Jesus coming. And it's amazing if you read Isaiah chapter 9, that that verse kind of, those two verses kind of pop out 
in the middle of Isaiah's prof- uh, prophecy there as he uh, uh, is giving a prophetic uh, um, message there. Uh, those two verses just kind of pop out there, and, and uh, those verses are familiar, yet we're not quite so familiar with the, with the previous and, and following uh, verses there. Uh, however, it's interesting to read that. And um, so in the middle, it seems in the middle of a, of a, of a dark prophecy, uh, the, the light shines through, as some of you have mentioned this morning in, in those various verses. And, and that, that was um, really the turning point in history. In a very, very dark, dark age in history, there seemed to have been this piercing light that was yet but a small beam, and yet as it, as it shone forth to the, to the years to come, its beam broadened. And, uh, and, and, and it was like the star that the wise man seen in the sky, uh, brighter than, than other stars, and um, led them to the Savior and worshiped Him. There is an interesting thing about Jesus' birth here as we want to read in Luke chapter 2, uh, the first 20 verses. We'll read the story. Uh, and then I also have another reading that I would like to read. Uh, but but in, in one sense, in one sense, um, the birth of Jesus and Mary and Joseph's experience there was really no different than any other birth. Um, uh, remember when the wise men came to Herod in Jerusalem and they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod is like, what? Who? You, you see, you see, uh, it's, it's hard for us to imagine this because of, because of our, our, um, technical communications and 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 the media and, and all of that if if something we would tend to think we we tend to think that if Jesus were born today the whole world would hear it within 5 seconds we would have that capability we the world the world would have that capability to do that but remember how many thousands of babies are born today and you don't know of any of them? Well, we heard of one, right? There was one of uh, Thomas's family that had a child today. And uh, what a blessing. But, <clears throat> but many, many babies are born today um, and, and we don't know about them. Uh, you can pick up the paper and you can, you can read the births and oh yeah, that's oh that's a funny name, you know, and and so and so, and and oftentimes mother and father don't even have the same last name, you know. You think, hmm, how can that be? I mean, why why that's just that's so awful. Well, <clears throat> and and life goes on. I it was really really honestly, if we look at it reality in reality, so it was with Jesus' birth. It, Joseph and Mary had come. Joseph had inquired at the end, had wanted, to, had wanted to have a decent place for his wife. We have no room. We have no room. We have no room. I mean, Bethlehem was full. Full. 
I think again, it was not a mere coincidence. It was not just a mere coincidence. It was it was a plan. It was a plan from divine Father that Jesus, His Son, was born in a stable. God filled up the rooms, filled everything up before Joseph and Mary got there. <clears throat> no room, no room, no room. Oh, I can see, I can see the. The desperation on Joseph's mind. I can see it on his face. What am I going to do? I can't, I can't just, I can't just leave this go. I mean, I, I can sleep out on the dirt under the stars, but not her. I can't. Oh, betwixt, you talk about between a rock and a hard place. Now, Joseph was in a fix. I can see eventually, as he inquired at the end, the, the innkeeper, don't you please, please, don't you have some room? Isn't there some extra space? Oh, uh, yeah. I guess if you want the stable, you can have that. It's probably better than nothing. It's better than out under the stars, under the street, on the streets. We'll take it, Joseph said. Well, let's read the story. I'll read chapter 2 of Luke, first 20 verses. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a degree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made from when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now, the Bible uses the word taxes here, and, and that's really what it means. However, it's, it was more of a census, and, and that's, how, that's how they acquired the taxation was by the census. And so um, it was, um, you remember that in 2010 when you filled out these papers and and how many people lived in your house and where you lived and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, all kinds of information. Uh, I threatened not to participate, but I did. Well, anyhow, this, this census thing has to do with acquiring numbers for population and, and, and taxes and, and all those kinds of things. And unless you think that that uh, 2005 or 2010 or or whatever, uh, 2010 wasn't the only time that we had census. I, I forget what the previous one was. But um, if you think that's the only time that, that this kind of thing took place, we're, here we have evidence that it's not the first time. Um, that's the way, really the efficient way in which governments can can collect taxes and so forth. But let me continue reading. And so this was reality. This was reality, and it made no provisions. It made no provisions for pregnant mothers. Well, she can't come. Well, it's beside the point. Bring her. Well, <clears throat> and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And if you question that, you can go to, to uh, the first chapter in Matthew, and there he, he gives uh, the rundown of, of, of Joseph's lineage. 
And of course, Mary is of the lineage of David as well. Uh, You can find that in Luke here. Um, To be taxed with Mary, his, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the shepherds, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and they, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that the angels were going away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it were wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Marvel. I just marvel at this event that took place. And while that, while that, I don't know. I'm, I would think that there were other shepherds out on the, the fields. And if, and if you had such a heavenly sight like that, surely others would have seen that. But it seems that this event was exclusive to these shepherds. In my mind, they were believing shepherds. They were shepherds that were looking for a Savior. I think the announcement of Jesus' birth specifically was given to those that were looking for a Savior, first of all. And of course, that news can't, couldn't be hid. And the day came when Herod, the wicked king, found out about Jesus' birth. <clears throat> just a marvel, just a, a, such a blessing. And, and how that those that were looking for him were receptive. And uh, it, they, they, they just they rejoiced in the fact that the Savior is born. Mary, I I would see her as a meek, quiet person, yet very strong in spirit. Um, Probably had less and less and less to say as life went on. Mary, it says, the scriptures tell us a number of times that Mary pondered these things in her heart. I think as time went on, she 
spoke less and thought more. Oh, if Mary would have only known, if she would have only known, and maybe she did know, maybe she did know a bit more than what we want to give her credit for, than what I want to give her credit for, because Simeon in the temple said, gave this prophecy about Jesus being the salvation of his people, and he makes this comment that will pierce even thine own soul. And I believe that realization was experienced at the cross. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and Mary, his mother, looked upon her son, I cannot help but believe that it pierced her own soul. Some of the difficult, strong, uh, uh, some of the difficult things that Mary and Joseph had to live with and deal with. Well, we don't read about Joseph at Mary's crucifixion, but even even previous to that, some of those things. Job tells us. I'd like to just just. Um, I didn't take the time to to write these scriptures down, but you you don't have to follow along. But I would like to just uh, look at a number of scriptures in in um, uh, as it relates to our our day of birth, and and I thought about what Job talks about man's birth, and I've wondered, I've wondered really, is death better than birth? Um, in Jesus' life. His birth was a joyous occasion. There were those that were looking forward to it. There were those that that seen the Christ child. And you think about Jesus Jesus' short life on earth and his death, his his awful awful cruel death. Was his birth or was his death better than his birth? <clears throat> Think about your own life and your own experience and that of your children and your families and so forth. Um, is, is, is the day of one's birth better than his death? Job 14, uh, 1 says, man, is born of a woman, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Uh, chapter 5 and verses 6 and 7 says, although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. A psalm, the psalmist has some to say about that. A psalm 89. And verse 48 Psalm 89:48 What man is he that liveth and shall not see death shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave It seems that uh, it, we, man becomes powerless also Psalm 116 in uh, verse 15 Precious in the sight of the of the Lord is the death of his saints we hear that at different times um and, and especially as we think about a loved one uh, that has known the Lord uh, going home to be with him. Precious 
in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his of his saint of the saint. Uh, uh, Proverb fourteen and uh, thirty two. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. Blessed scriptures, as we think about uh, one's death. I think in a real sense, uh, we may not look at that, look at the natural man. Let me say the natural man doesn't look at it necessarily that way. That one's death is better than his birth. But really, truly, honestly, death is the means of when life really begins. Death is really the means the, the, the doorway from this life to the life that is to come. All of us are created in, in, in the image of God in, in such a way that we have a never-dying soul. Now, now, we have not been pre-existent. We have had a day of birth. And we do have birthdays as long as we are in this time frame. In this time called, or this body with in the capsule of time but when we cross death's door then we are ushered into a a period when there is no more time capsule there there is no more time uh, we're we're ushered into that period that has been pre-existent and and is existing today and will forever exist <clears throat> called eternity. <clears throat> and so, in a real sense, in a real sense, the day of our birth is better than, the day of our death is better than the day of our birth. And when we think about Jesus' death, we especially think of that. Of course, His day was better, or His death was better than His birth. Well, you might say, well, you're splitting hairs. One has to be born in order to die. That's true. That's true. And yet, and yet, that was the purpose of Jesus' birth was to die. That was the whole plan. That was the whole scheme. That was, that was God's design, is that Jesus would come. And no doubt, no question in my mind, that Jesus was born to the lowliest of people, to the poorest of people, so that every man, woman, boy and girl can connect with Jesus. Jesus was not born in a king's palace, was not born in a king's royal family, but Jesus was born to just the common people. Just the common people. Hmm, Isn't that amazing? There's one sense in which Mary and Joseph were common people, but another real sense, they were marvelous people. They were people that were outstanding. <clears throat> Let me read this. And just blessed me. Trust that it can bless you as well. You may recognize it if you've read it before. In fact, all of you would have had opportunity to read it. But I'll read it again if you've read it Allow the Spirit to just minister to you again. I've been blessed. The title of it is, An Innocent Child, A Painful Journey. 
One night many years ago, an exhausted pregnant mother lay down in a dank and smelly stable to give birth to her very peculiar child. The children of God had waited for centuries in anticipation of this birth. Yet they did not fully understand the miracle that was about to take place, nor were, nor were they aware of its intimate event. The Jews looked for a political liberator to free them from the oppression of the Romans. Had they not read Isaiah 61, 1c, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The child was born. If one were to look into his face, you would note that special quality that all newborns possess. A beautiful picture of innocence so unmarred by the pain of the world. A face so full of promise. He looked no different than any other child born into the world that night. By this world's standards, this child would spend the rest of his life in relative obscurity, knowing only to the, known only to the locals. Yet his brief but powerful life would affect not only those who died prior to his birth, but also those who would walk the face of the earth, all those who would walk the face of the earth thereafter. This child was the embodiment of the Son of the Creator God, who was not only perfect, but also could not stand the sight of sin. He came to earth to experience all of the pain that the curse of sin brought to the earth. He came to heal the brokenhearted and to set free those in bondage. Isaiah 61, 1. Have you considered the pain that Jesus faced while on this earth? By that I'm not referring to physical pain. We know he suffered a torturous death. But the emotional pain that he experienced... Consider how misunderstood a 12-year-old feels when he follows his God-given mandate and parents reprimand him and infer that his actions were disrespecting of them. Luke 2, verse 41 through 50. Think about how disrespected he felt when the devil taunted him with the very things that he had so lovingly created. Luke 4, verses 1 through 3, 13. John 1, 3. Consider the rejection he felt when he re revealed who he was and what he came to do. He should have been celebrated. Instead, they attempted to stone him. Luke 4, verse 14 through 30. He must have felt betrayed and disowned by Judas when he gave him up to the chief priests. How about the loneliness in the Garden of Gethsemane and how he, his disciples ignored him when he struggled so deeply. Or how emotionally drained he felt as the sweat ran to the ground, pleading, Father, take this cup from me. Luke twenty-two, 39-46 How despised, uncared for, and unwanted he must have felt as the thorns were pressed into his head, and as the whip came down on his back again and again and again. Luke twenty two fifty three. Consider how disowned he felt as Peter denied that he knew him, and as the Jews cried, Crucify him. Luke twenty two fifty four through sixty two and twenty three twenty. How humiliated, used, and violated he must have felt 
when upon the cross he was stripped of his clothing and put out for all humanity to see his nakedness. Luke 23, 34 through 38. And then tragedy of all tragedies, his father turned his back on him for sins that he himself did not commit. Total abandonment, rejection, and humiliation. Jesus experienced emotional pain and yet did not sin. Jesus experienced immense emotional pain and yet did not sin. Why did he experience all of this pain? The writer of Hebrews writes, For we, have, for we do not have an high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 He did this so that he could identify and sympathize with the pain in our hearts when we come to him for healing. He understands what it feels like to be brokenhearted and imprisoned. When we bring our broken and bleeding hearts to him, we feel, we feel safe, cared for, and understood. That is why he chose to do the unthinkable, so that he could heal the brokenhearted. Garrett Martin from the Grace Haven Newsletter. Can we rejoice? Rejoice in the fact that Jesus came to be our Savior to be our friend, to take care of that emotional pain within our hearts. Jesus knows. Jesus understands. Jesus has walked the way. He is the first fruits of them that slept. Let's kneel together to pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we have no words to say we worship you, O oh Father. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to this sin-cursed earth as a child and experiencing all those things that little children experience and living a life of example, first of all, in being subject to his parents and and, and yet having a greater call and then later in life fulfilling that and just doing the will of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life. Thank you, Jesus, for experiencing all the emotional pain to heal our broken hearts to heal the pain within our hearts. Father, that we don't have to live with that pain. No one does. Because You came to take that. Father, it is with joy that we, re that we celebrate Your coming. And Father, we'd like to think that if You were born today, that we would rejoice as Simeon and Anna, the shepherds, and who all else, Father, that hasn't been recorded about. 
Father, our hearts rejoice in the fact that this was a turning point in history in all mankind. We can look back to that time when you sent us a Savior. You sent us a Redeemer. One to take us from this earth. And fathers, we think about the pains of this life. We really don't know why any one of us wants to stay here. We want to go be with you where there is no more pain. We want to go be with you where we'll be with you in your presence forever. Father, there's so many things to deal with and and um, there's so many disappointments and, and failures in life. And, and Father, help us to not just focus on that. We, we don't want to do that either. We do rejoice in the blessings that You've given us, but Father, this world is nothing to compare with the glories that children revealed in us and the bliss of the glories in which you, is Your presence. Lord, we long for that. And Father, just pray that today You would minister to our hearts in such a way that would just give us a long desire to be with You. And we rejoice uh, with Norm's family that he made it home. He's finally started to live. This is what this preparation ground is for. Father, just pray that if there's anyone here that has not made Jesus Lord and Savior of their lives, that they would do so. Make this Christmas a real Christmas experience in their hearts. Make You Savior and Lord of life so that we can all experience that blessed home that You've prepared for us. Pray, Father, for the trials and the pains and the disappointments that many people have experienced in our communities and, and uh, our neighbors and our families. And Father, just pray that your, your blessing and your comfort, your grace may be extended to all of us and, and especially, Father, to those that, that just uh, feel a hopelessness helplessness in their own lives. May your Father just continue to draw them to you. And may they somehow have an assurance of your love and your care. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. So many blessings that you have given to us. And Father, we just pray that we not take them for granted, but that we praise and adore you, worship you, because you've given all these good things. And yet, Father, they're not so good that we want to stay here. We want the real good things. Thank you for the hope that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that we can look forward to that. I pray, Father, your blessing upon us here as a congregation and all of us in the week to come. May we just uh, thank and praise you and and uh, may you guide and direct our lives for your praise and glory and for our benefit. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.